Good morning. Welcome. Um, this is a session on AWS Storage Gateway. Uh, I'm Asa Calavera. I'm the general manager for the service. The Storage Gateway enables hybrid storage. This week, we announced a new capability on the Gateway that supports file storage. We'll tell you more about it in this session. We'll um, show you a demo that actually shows you the Gateway in action. We're also excited to have here with us Farrell, who is the uh, VP of Architecture and Product Strategy at Veristore. He'll tell us a little bit about how he has been using the Storage Gateway for their customers. So there's a number of use cases that customers use when thinking about hybrid storage. It ranges from backup and archiving where they're moving a copy of their data to AWS, or migration when they're moving entire data sets to run their workloads in AWS. Uh, there's other use cases where you're looking at cloud bursting, so your data and applications stay on premises, customers move the data to AWS, run some workloads, and bring the data back into uh, into their on-premises applications. Or is just for tiering when you use AWS for storing your cold data and your hot data stays access uh, locally uh, with low latencies. Customers have a number of options to um, run hybrid workloads, hybrid scenarios. In this session, we'll tell you a little bit about how the storage gateway can help these hybrid applications. You use the storage gateway by deploying a virtual machine on-premises. The gateway exposes standard file protocols, so you can, uh, standard file protocols, blocks of protocols like iSCSI, tape interfaces, so your existing applications, uh, storage systems, devices, anything that generates data can write to the storage gateway. The gateway does the protocol conversion and sends the data back to AWS. It sends it to the appropriate storage service based on the use case. And in the process, the gateway sends the data in a secure way. The communication is highly optimized, so you can leverage your bandwidth very efficiently. All the gateways make available a local cache, so frequently used data can be accessed locally at low latencies. And in addition, we also expose CloudWatch, CloudTrail, a lot of the monitoring management services that you use when you're running workloads in AWS, those can also be used when the gateway is, uh, when you're accessing the applications locally. So that's essentially in the, the storage gateway. There's uh, the news announcement that we made this week is providing a file gateway, which expands a set of capabilities within the storage gateway family. So through the file gateway, you now have access to write files through standard protocols. These files then get translated into objects which get stored in your S3 buckets in, in AWS. Uh, once the data is in S3, you have native access to it, so you can run uh, your EMR workloads or other big data uh, workloads. Uh, also, you have access to native capabilities of your buckets, so you can use it for, you can use versioning, uh, lifecycle management, cross-region replication, et cetera. And like the other gateways today, the tape gateway and the volume gateway, uh, there's a local cache, so your objects, uh, the files that are being accessed locally can be accessed at low latencies. So we're super excited to make this capability available today. We just went uh, generally available earlier this week. The um, second announcement we made this week is that we've reduced pricing. 
So um, in conjunction with the price drops with S3 and Glacier last week, now your volumes and tapes are uh, going to be uh, offered at reduced pricing as well. You would see up to 28% saving in your volume storage and up to 48% on uh, tape storage. This is in addition to the EBS price cuts that we announced back in August, which gave you a reduction in your snapshot storage. The second change we've made is simplified the retrieval pricing. So instead of the peak pricing that we had for retrieving archive tapes, you now have a flat one, gigabits, uh, one, one cent per gigabyte of data transferred. And the third big change we've made in our pricing structure this week is we are changing from a flat per month $125 gateway fee to a usage-based fee. So now you pay one cent for every gigabyte of data that's transferred from the gateway to AWS, and that's capped at 125. So if you send anything less than 12 terabytes of data, you would, your bill would be reduced. So we are excited that these new pricing changes are now in place. Uh, true to AWS tradition, we've continued to reduce our costs and pass those savings to our customers. So let's look at some of the uh, use cases that our customers are using AWS Storage Gateway for. Uh, I'd love to give you a few examples here. So if you look at um, the first use case where people are really looking at a hybrid workload scenario where you're combining data on-prem with data in AWS and your workload is running in AWS. So in this case, you would deploy your um, storage gateway on-premises and uh, you write your files or your data over to the gateway, which then gets um, sent over to AWS. Um, in, in AWS, you could be running uh, big data workloads. Um, you can be uh, using some of the new capabilities around uh, you know, Athena to run uh, SQL queries on your data. So you basically can do native workloads in AWS on that data. So you have several customers using the service. Veristore, um, um, Feral is going to tell us a little bit about how um, they have been using the uh, service for their managed service provider customers. In addition, we have Moderna Therapeutics, which is a biotech company. Moderna is doing some cutting-edge research on genomics and RNA sequencing. So they have a number of instruments that collect data, and these files are being generated um, at high frequencies per hour. And they want to move these files to AWS so they can do their informatics workloads there. And essentially, they've been able to deploy the gateway, and they're running their workloads um, in AWS. The second use case is around backup and archives. So you can back up your files, volumes, or tapes using the storage gateway. Uh, if you're looking at files, the data moves over to S3. And as I mentioned before, you can take advantage of the um, lifecycle policies that you can set up on your bucket. You can apply versioning. And so you can uh, move your data from S3 to SIA to Glacier, and it's all um, natively accessed. Uh, similarly, you can um, take snapshots of your volumes, and those snapshots can be moved over to AWS. They can be uh, periodic, automatically scheduled snapshots or ad hoc snapshots as well. And tape archiving. So we have a number of our customers using the VTL capability, where you can use your existing tape-based infrastructure on-premises, but write the data to virtual tapes, and those tapes can be made accessible through um, S3 
or they can be archived into Glacier for cold storage. So Southern Oregon University is, uh, has been a longtime customer of the service. They've been uh, completely able to use our virtual tape library, so they don't need to worry about physical tapes anymore, but they did not have to make any changes to their existing uh, tape backup environments. The third scenario which we see oftentimes is uh, tiering storage. So customers can essentially use the storage gateway to um, store their locally, uh, their frequently accessed data locally, but instead of buying more expensive storage on premises, they can archive, move it over to S3 and um, use uh, S3 or AWS uh, EBS to move their uh, less frequently accessed data there. So just giving, which is a global social um, charity foundation based out of London, uh, use our service for disaster recovery, uh, also to keep copies of their data across multiple locations. So there's a number of use cases as uh, customers have been using the storage gateway, and we are excited that with the introduction of file, it's going to open up additional capabilities for you to uh, leverage the gateway. I'm going to switch gears now and um, hand over to Paul Reed. Paul's the lead product manager on the service, and he'll tell you a little bit more about the service um, and also show you a demo. I'm on. Should I give you mine? My name. Turn it on. There you go. I'll do it Madonna style. Okay, so um, thanks, Asa, for going through some of the use cases. I'll, uh, we're going to flip now to sort of look at this lens through um, what the storage gateway provide to you at a technical level. Um, so no matter which capability you're using, whether you're using volumes, tapes, or files, um, we provide standard storage protocols. So we're trying to bring cloud storage to you and to your applications in a way that you don't have to integrate with. So by providing standard storage protocols, your applications can work natively with the service. Um, and just use it and use cloud storage as if it was native local storage that you have today. Um, all of our gateways provide local caching, so uh, we use local storage in your data center to keep just the hot data um, local to your applications, which gives you that sort of low latency access, that snappy access that you would expect from storage, while all your data is durably stored off in AWS. We manage that cache, cache transparently for you, keeping the hot data locally and making sure that everything gets um, stored off in AWS. Again, because we're cloud storage at the end of the day, you have this sort of durability and elasticity and price point that cloud storage can provide to you. We try and optimize the transfer from your data center into AWS, doing massively parallel uploads, trying to move a small amount of data as we can um, in order to reduce the bandwidth consumption and make sure that your data moves from your data center into AWS as quickly as possible. We don't consider storage on the gateway as um, being durable, even though you may deploy it on um, quite expensive and, and, and highly configured enterprise class storage. We think of getting that data into AWS to make it durable with the 11 lines of durability that S3 provides, the multi-AZ, multi-region, multi-data center uh, model that you've 
I'm sure heard about in other sessions. Data is encrypted all the time. We encrypt over the wire using um, SSL, and we encrypt at rest by default using uh, SSES3. And on the um, file capability, we allow you to use KMS keys as well. So if you want to uh, encrypt the data at rest with your own keys, that's an option for you there. And as Asa mentioned, the gateway is sort of fully integrated across the AWS stack with all of our monitoring manage management, maintenance, and security tools that we provide for you. So it's a, sort of a first-class offering within the AWS console and within your portfolio of other AWS uh, services. Um, so at a brass tax level, what are the storage protocols we provide? We provide files, volumes, and tapes as storage um, buckets. Um, File Gateway provides an NFS v3 or v4.1 interface. Windows supports v3, um, so Windows clients do work. The volume side, we support iSCSI block, again, standard protocol, um, with the ability to take snapshots of those volumes that you have on-prem. And on the tape side, we emulate a virtual tape library. So that's more than just tape storage. It's the media changer and um, the, all of the commands that go around being able to manipulate and look just like a physical tape robot that you may have in your data center today. We can emulate all that virtually and keep all of that data stored in the cloud. And we'll show later on that we have a number of integrations with backup vendors um, for that particular capability. So how does file work? Um, maybe a little bit of an eye chart. Um, as you've seen, you deploy a gateway on-prem as a, a, a VM. The VM exposes an NFS uh, target, an NFS mount point to your application. Your application connects to it and reads and, write, reads and writes what it thinks of as files. The gateway in turn takes that data, moves it up directly into S3 using HTTPS. So we'll, you can pop us through firewalls. All connections from the gateway are outbound, so you don't need to pop a hole backwards through your firewall. Everything goes outbound from your data center, so you control how we connect out to AWS. Once the data's in S3, you can lifecycle it down, as, as mentioned here. Your files get mapped directly to objects, so the namespace that you have in your file system is the key space that you will see in S3. Super important, because when you start to think about writing lifecycle policies or writing workloads in AWS, it's important to know, well, this file that I put into the gateway, where is it in my S3 object store? So that one-to-one -one mapping between files and objects and maintaining the namespace is super important. Similarly, if you want to apply things like lifecycle policies to move that data around or cross-region replication, if you're in a world where you have um, regulatory needs to do that or, or just like the you know, bi-coastal backup, for example, across um, data centers on the east and west coast, the namespace is there. You can write your lifecycle policies um, based on the key prefixes. Um, if anybody was in any of the S3 announcements this year, we've announced tagging support, tagging something will add as well. So as S3 add these new capabilities, it's, we're just moving objects, files into S3 as objects. So as S3 add the capabilities, you can use them from day one. Volume storage sites, subtle change. And we're providing block storage in this case. Um, so the gateway exposes an iSCSI mount, mount target that your initiator connects to. Again, we're using the same, HTTP, same optimized HTTP transport mechanism to get that data into, into AWS. Now, in this instance, we're providing block storage, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to give you native access to that in S3. We store it in S3, but it's in a private bucket that we maintain as a service, um, and we allow you to get access to it as an EBS snapshot. Again, we provide your block storage on-prem and block storage in AWS, and EBS snapshot is the way of moving that block storage around. In the case of block storage, we do compression of data in transit, and we compress it at rest, um, which gives you a potential cost saving um, on the amount of storage that you're taking up. 
Um, and we allow you to create up to 32 uh, LANs on the gateway that can need to be up to 32 terabytes each. So about a petabyte of storage per gateway. The last use case, as I said uh, earlier, tape. Um, it's a little bit, it's very similar in that it's iSCSI, but we emulate an entire tape library here. So we've got the media changer and the driver and all of that stuff. Um, and we have integrations with a number of the leading backup providers, as shown here. Um, we map um, their commands in terms of export of tape, so the logical equivalent of taking a tape out of your uh, tape robot, sending it off to Iron Mountain, we map that down to moving the tape to Glacier to give you that price point. So that off-site off storage in the physical world, we map to moving it from the S3 storage layer to the Glacier storage layer. When you want the tape back, you ask us and we retrieve it, just as you would call up Iron Mountain or whomever your off-site storage provider is, and we'll move that tape back into your VTL such that you can then access the data again. And uh, I'm going to switch over to Farrell now um, and introduce uh, Farrell Macon, who's been one of our uh, partners while we've been building out uh, the file capability to talk about how he's using Storage Gateway. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. So Veristore is a company that was founded 15 years ago. Prior to founding Veristore, myself and the founders uh, had experience in the dot-com era uh, building managed storage service providers. So I worked for Storage Networks, if you were back at the time, and they were the founders. The founders of Veristore were the founders of Worldstore at that time. And so we were doing managed storage services, uh, serving these clients and, and seeing, helping bring dot-com companies up to speed fast in the same way we're seeing a lot of uh, new companies being uh, enabled by Amazon uh, here at the conference. So. After the dot-com crash, we started Veristore as a system uh, integrator, solution provider, focused on bringing innovative storage technologies, focused on e-commerce and virtualization, because there was a lot of innovation at that time, and this was a critical point uh, of integration to see success in those worlds. A natural outgrowth as we grew as a company was to provide cloud services, what we call a managed backup, managed recovery, using different kind of innovative tools. And so that's a key piece of our business. And then we recently, as, a, as disruption is in our DNA, we recently started a company called 4850 Labs that is focused on DevOps and more from the application side. So with our company, we're able to help companies migrate from agile development to a true DevOps model and, and bridge that gap between um, ops and the development sides of organizations. So what do we do and, and how do we see us using this product? Well, you know, as I've said, it's been in our DNA to add, uh, to have these managed services in the storage area. We did it before the Amazon kind of services were available and in building it off of similar infrastructure that we were using on customer prem sites. And so with that came all of the challenges of capacity planning. We have multiple sites and data centers that we've built, but um, you know, doing that is an expensive proposition. So what we see is this product and, and Amazon giving us the ability to further enhance our services. So enabled to provide much more than an east-west location that we are today uh, and, and meet a, a larger variety of needs. Additionally, the native file access, right now our storage uh, and backup services are built on industry standard applications. Well, 
it's not uncommon to be in an environment where they have a critical application that isn't necessarily supported, that they're using a utility like RMAN or something like that to back up those systems. And that gate, file gateway gives us the ability to uh, expand our offerings in those areas. So uh, additionally, we can expand our archiving capabilities and manage capacity and cost and more model that to what the customer is experiencing at the time. In the area of 4850 Labs, again, this is our uh, DevOps organization. It's, it's a real good tool for us as we help companies transition. Right now, we're helping a global auto manufacturer move from a shared SaaS offering from one of their uh, DevOps tool providers to a fully managed environment, private instance, on Amazon that we are fully managing. You can't really just take and, and snowball that because this is central to all their ongoing operations. And so it gives us the ability to move components of that environment and test them independently so that it's, it's completing that migration in a very smooth and effective manner. And because the file gateway moves things into S3 but maintains all the native file attributes, it really helps those move those uh, workloads within the different uh, Amazon offerings. So we see this as a way for Veristore to better manage our own monthly operating expenses as we're offering high value services to our clients. Also to rapidly deploy uh, customers around the world in regions that we really don't even uh, have our own data centers today and develop, shorten those development cycles. And then finally, it helps remove those roadblocks for our customers just by making the movement of, of data very seamless from on-prem to Amazon environments. With that, I think we're gonna go into a demo. <laughs> this one? Okay. Um, so let me, um, again, we'll switch back to um, actually looking at the, the, the service now that we've um, heard from Farrell about where he's using it and go through a quick, um, a quick setup, right, just to show you how easy it is to use the service. So it's really three steps. Deploy the VM, get it going, um, activate the VM, configure which buckets you want to export as um, NFS mount points, and then um, connect to it and read and write to it from your application. Um, so if we can get this going. For anybody that's been at the booth, you might have seen me present this a couple of times. Okay. So let me just orient you to the screen here. Um, on your left-hand side is your on-premises data center. So that's your applications, your devices that need access to, uh, to, to files, they're file-based applications, and they want to use files that are backed by S3 objects. The right-hand side, we have Amazon the piece parts of Amazon. In this instance, we're focusing on S3 because that's where your data is going to live. Okay. So here's our S3 bucket. We happen to already have data here in the S3 bucket that we're using. Maybe we loaded it into a snowball. For anybody that's seen the snowball announcements this week, maybe we had a big data workload that generated all of this data. And I want to make that data available to my application. So in this instance, um, we're going to... We're gonna 
pause and go back. Um, let me just rewind. So in this instance, we're going to make this data available to our application. So Gateway works both ways. File Gateway will let you take data out of S3 or put data back into S3. Again, it's presenting a file system on top of your S3 bucket. So we'll go to the Storage the Gateway Console. We'll go to the Storage Gateway Console, and we'll select Create Gateway. In this instance, we're going to create a file gateway. Um, I'll save you uh, sitting watching the download, but you download a VMware image. Um, we then go over to our vSphere Console. We deploy that OVA. So again, now we're back on-prem. We've taken that OVA. We're going to just deploy it into vSphere. So anybody who's uh, deployed a virtual machine, this should be a, a fairly well-understood uh, step. We do have documentation around this. In this instance, we uh, import the OVA into vSphere. We like to use thick provisioning. It just provides a little bit better performance to have the disks fully realized um, for the gateway. Finish. So I will stress that we haven't sped this up, we haven't slowed it down. So you're seeing a full end-to-end -end deployment here. So it takes a couple of minutes, but it's worth showing. Now we're going to go into the VM and add and change a couple of settings. And the first thing we want to do is we want to add a second disk to the VM, which we're going to use as that local cache. You'd size that local cache not for the amount of data you have in S3, which could be multiple petabytes, but for the amount of data that you want to keep on-prem, your hot data, your working set. And we'll manage the storage in there. So if you request data that isn't in that um, cache, We'll do a, a, a cache fault. We'll go do a, a read through of the, of the data. If you write data to the cache, we'll do a write back. So in this instance, we're going to set up a 200 gig cache as that second drive. We'll see where we use that drive when we go through the remainder of the setup in the console. And the last setting uh, that we're going to make is, or maybe I missed it because I had my back to the screen, um, is to set the time uh, synchronization on the gateway. Um, just keeps all the logs uh, all aligned in terms of having good time synchronization, just a best practice um, in general uh, across environments. So we'll power the gateway on, and, and we'll take a note of the IP address. We're going to need that during activation. And then we'll switch back to the AWS console. So this is where we did our download just earlier. Now we're going to enter that IP address. Now, because I'm signed into the console, what this is going to do is securely associate the gateway that's behind that IP address with your AWS account um, so that only you can manage it and only you can see it. Um, we'll then set another couple of settings on the gateway, give it a name so it's easy to find in the console, set the time zone, which again will help with um, logging and some of the other things on the gateway. So now we have our gateway. Um, so the console is now saying, well, what, what are the drives that are available to that? And we find our 200 gigabyte drive that we wanted to allocate as a cache. So we allocate a cache. And now we have a gateway. So now what can we do with that gateway? First thing is I want to say, take my S3 bucket that we... Uh, had earlier, and I want to, um, let's just pause it there, and I want to uh, expose that S3 bucket as an NFS mount point. So I create a file share, and then see, you'll see a number of other settings. Um, so the way the gateway accesses your S3 bucket is through an IAM role. That IAM role is um, an IAM role in your account. You're not opening up your buckets to a service credential or, or sort of uh, just open access to them. Connection. Um, Still seeing it there. Um, you don't open your buckets up to a, to a service credential. This is an IAM role in your account that you own and you control. Um, uh, you can allow us to create one automatically for you, sort of the easy button. Or if you already have a role that you've set up that you want to give to this gateway, um, allow this gateway to use, you can specify that as well. We're going to take the easy button here and just let the service create one for us. Um, 
we see the uh, we see some uh, some customers taking this and, and using this to give third parties access to um, to data, for example, by giving a third party an IAM role that can then create a gateway um, which can access a bucket. The other setting here that um, we allow is for those customers that want to put their data directly into infrequent access, rather than using lifecycle policies to move the data down from standard to IA. They know their data just wants to go into IA because they don't access it frequently, and so let's just store it straight in IA. Now, the other interesting thing is here, because we're caching data on the gateway, um, you're not necessarily going to retrieve those objects as much as you would because the gateway cache is going to take some of that load of retrieval when you read and write files. So potentially it allows you to move data into IA earlier than you would have otherwise because the, the cache on, in, you know, on the VM is, is taking some of that load. Yes, keep going, thanks. Um, so we'll create that file share. And here's the file share. Now here in the console, in the details for this file share, you'll see a, a number of links, right? We deep link across all the consoles that we integrate with, the services that we're using. So, uh, can we go back a little, sorry. This screen keeps going off and that screen keeps going off. Yeah, um, so here you'll see um, within the details section, um, we have deep links off to the S3 console, the IAM console, and the CloudWatch console. We also provide a little eye catcher there. So when you flip back over to our Linux client that's on-prem, the, uh, the mount command that I need in order to mount this file share is, is presented there in the console. So here we are back on-prem in our Linux client, and we're just going to mount that file share that's being now exported by the VM that's running in my environment. That's the IP address that we noted earlier, and there's the name of our bucket. So the bucket name becomes the export on the gateway. Bucket's now mounted. If we do DF, you see the bucket. The file system mounted there. If we do an LS, we get what we'd expect from LS, which is a file system. The file system based on the objects that are off in S3 that we loaded earlier. File system metadata is stored alongside the objects in object metadata. So if, as you modify files, the create times, the Unix style permissions, the owner of those files are determined by um, uh, object metadata or durably stored in object metadata. Here we can. Again, just another view on the Linux client of the same, that same NFS mount point through the GUI. We see the, uh, the data that we loaded into, uh, that we already had in S3. This instance, we can drag and drop files. So we've dragged and dropped an image of Tux here into the, the folder. So let's see how that appears on the S3 side. So now when we go back over to S3 and we re refresh the contents of this bucket, you'll see that we now have a handy-dandy image of Tux as an S3 object. Now let's go back on-prem and we'll fire up a Windows client. I mentioned that we support NFS v3. So on Windows, again, uh, you uh, mount, the, mount the NFS file share as you would any other NFS mount point. I think I struggled typing at this point. <laughs> and again, it's the same command that you can cut and paste from the console, we provide it there, um, just as an easy eye catcher for you to get. We'll mount it as a T drive on this Windows um, server. Go look at the T drive and see what it looks like. And again, it looks just like you expect. It looks like a set of files as far as the Windows server is concerned. And again, in Windows Explorer, we can look at it here just to close the loop and we see the bucket that has our object of our image of Tux in it. Thanks. SIFS to S3. So SMB support? Let's talk afterwards. 
something we're looking at. We hear it, we hear it a number of times from, a number of times from customers. I'm sorry? Let's talk after. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what we're providing um, with the new file gateway is, is a way of accessing your S3 buckets uh, on-prem as files. Um, and we're super excited to have announced this this week. I know a lot of customers have been asking for it. Um, and uh, yeah, there it is. That was end-to-end -end in seven minutes, maybe? Plus or minus the screen blanking out on me several times of how long it takes to expose an, an S3 bucket as a file, file system. So the question is, does the gateway connect to um, a proxy? Um, the uh, OVA that we have today does not um, on the uh, file side. The block device does. We have SOX 5 support in the gateway. Um, that's something we're going to add in short order to the file um, server as well, because it's something, again, that a lot of customers have more than just doing that firewalling in that environment. So yeah, SOX support is coming. And we want to switch back to the other one. What do you want me to do? Oh, we'll do the deck, okay. Yeah, we have a little bit of time, so we actually have a couple of slides that we didn't know whether we'd have time to show. Um, so I'll go through them, and, and maybe it'll help answer some of the questions about what the heck's going on under the covers when you drag and drop that image of Tux on the client, and, and how does it appear as an object over in, in S3. Next, please. Yeah, so when you write data, what happens is, um, and forgive anybody that didn't want to go into a deeper dive here, but um, oh, I have this. Cool. Oh, except it's connected to that one. <laughs> um, so when you write data, what happens, um, it, whether you're using iSCSI or NFS, is your application writes chunks of data to the gateway. And what's um, really uh, interesting or annoying, depending on which side of the fence you sit on, um, is that data comes in not necessarily in the order that you wrote it, that your application thinks it wrote it. So for example, log appends don't come in in order if I'm an NFS client, if I'm an NSS server, rather. So anyway, that data comes into the gateway, and what the, gator will, the gateway will do, thanks, um, what the gateway does is it stores it locally in the cache. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we provide a write-back cache, so we do synchronous uh, writes into the, the cache, respond to your application to say, yep, we've got that data, it's stored. We also do aggregation uh, within the cache. So for example, if you do overwrites of the same part of a file or overwrites of the same blocks of a block device, we aggregate that out. If the cache becomes full, we use an LRU policy to evict data, so the, your coldest data gets evicted from the cache in order to make space for the newer data, the hotter data that's being written. And then we take that data that's on the, in the cache and we upload it to, to uh, AWS, whether you're uh, doing files to objects in the file case or you're doing a block device, we upload that data into S3 to make sure it gets durably stored. In that instance, we, we're doing as much as we can to try and move as small amount of data as possible. Some of that aggregation that we do in the cache helps with that. Up into AWS to make it durable. We do parallel uploads, we play some other tricks on the upload side in order to move that data as quickly as we can. As you mentioned here, for volume data, where the uh, mechanism of accessing it natively in the cloud is through EBS snapshots, we have the ability to do compression as well. We don't do that for files because that would lose that ability to access your data as you intend, as you expected, in S3. If you compress a file and put a compressed file in the NFS mount point, we'll move it up compressed. If it's uncompressed data, we obviously want to make, give you back your file in S3 as an object. So that's how the write path works. Now we'll flip over and look at the read path. So when I read data very similarly, my application 
tries to uh, go to the gateway and says, hey, give me this piece of data. In NFS, I'm asking for n bytes at an n byte offload. If it's a block device, I'm asking for certain blocks. Oh, there you go. So the gateway first looks in its cache and says, do I have anything here to read through cache in this instance? So the application's waiting for the data. I look in the cache. If I have it, I'm going to serve it straight to the application. So if my, my data is hot, if I have a working set that's stored in my cache, I'm going to get it immediately and serve back in this instance. Um, my cache doesn't have. I get a cache fault, a cache miss. So the gateway under the covers then goes and synchronously fetches that data from AWS. If it's compressed data, we'll decompress it. Again, we'll fetch just the data that you requested to try and minimize the amount of data transfer between your data center and AWS. We'll pull the data. We'll drop it in cache because that's now hot data. You asked for it. It's data that you're likely to need. It's part of your working set. And we'll then serve that data up to the application. Obviously, both these reads and writes go on in, in parallel. Um, the last slide I think that I want to cover here is, uh, <laughs> it says need to update. Uh, this is actually an old deck. Um, the, la uh, the last slide is, uh, is an old slide that we'll stick on this one for now. Um, in order to watch all of this going under the covers, because it's kind of interesting if you're into that sort of stuff to see all this other stuff, the demo was really what you see most of the time. You see a file system for your applications and you see objects in S3. Watching the data flow is somewhat uninteresting, but again, depending on how deep you want to go. For those that want to watch it from a monitoring and maintenance standpoint, we provide CloudWatch metrics that provide you uh, the rate the data is coming into or out of the gateway. So on the left-hand side of this diagram, the rate that data is coming out of the gateway to AWS, bytes transferred up and down, uh, and the, the latencies in that, that. And then a set of CloudWatch metrics around how the gateway itself is performing. So how is your cache doing? What's your cache hit ratios? How full is the cache? How much data is sat on the gateway that has not yet been durably stored in, in S3? So you can use that for determining things like RPO and RPO. So I think that's all I've got. Um, and uh, I'll flip back to this one, I think. Which has a couple of um, links for anybody that, that wants to get more information. We updated all of our documentation this week. Um, our console is just new. We launched that back in August. Um, a refreshed console with a, a little bit of a slicker experience, an easier experience. Um, we'd love to get some feedback on that uh, um, from anybody. And for anybody that, I know we launched File this week, so that's the, been sort of the big ticket news. Um, um, as Asa mentioned, we have a lot of customers that use us as a tape replacement. Um, and to that end, we have a, a project on AWS, which is a step-by-step -step guide to getting up and running with, with replacing your, uh, your physical tape infrastructure with virtual tape infrastructure using Storage Gateway. So I want to thank you for your time. Um, and we can take questions if anybody has any.